Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Good morning, friends. How are you this morning? How about that snow? How about it goes away now? Okay. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna. We Watch the weather, it's gonna be 40 something this afternoon, so it'll be gone with the rest of it. Um, I am Loretta, De uh, Loretta Deacon Job. How about Deacon Loretta Job? Um, <laughs> I'm retired, uh, but still uh, helping out and serving here. It is great to be with you this morning. Uh, also joining me for worship this morning in leadership is uh, Pastor Lindsay and, of course, Susan and our lovely uh, duet. They're so good. They're so good. No, both, both of you, Arla and Judy. I was turning away. I thought I'd better look. Uh, Greg Geis will be uh, helping us this morning as well, as well as Tom Doan. So um, as you might know, and if not, please remember that we are a congregation that knows, wants to know God, love God, and serve God. There was a connection card, hopefully, inside your bulletin. If not, raise your hand. We'll get an usher to bring you one. Um, please fill that out. Let us know you're here, but mostly let us know what it is that you are interested in uh, being a part of. Uh, the knowing God and serving God uh, takes effort, and so we are offering you as many opportunities as we can uh, to participate in things that will indeed help you grow in your faith life. There are also prayer cards in the back of the pews. Uh, they are bright yellow, can't miss them. Uh, please fill those out. This is a praying congregation, and if you or someone you know needs prayer, uh, please Make note of that. If you want just the clergy to see it, there's a place to mark on that as well. Um, oh, Sunday school. I think everybody's gone already. Woo! If you ever sit on this side, you can hear the kids. They're amazing. They're amazing. Um, Pastor Lindsay is going to do the announcements this morning. Well, there are a whole host of great things happening <laughs> in the why. church. Hopefully you saw those things as our slides were scrolling before worship started. And there's a whole host of good things happening as you check out your bulletin. But I want to highlight just a couple of things. The first is the spring musical. So Susan is leading another spring musical with the students. We'd encourage you to register for that by March 20th. So if you have a kid, a grandkid, a great-grandkid, a neighborhood child, somebody that likes to sing and dance and storytell and work with uh, Susan, we'd invite you to do that. 
My second announcement is we are exploring um, another, uh, an additional type of leadership structure called the Simplified Accountable Structure. It's something we're exploring in our administrative committees, and there's going to be a town hall on March 2nd at 5 o'clock here, um, right, right, right here at our Brighton campus. You are invited to come to learn more about that as we explore this opportunity in, in leadership structure. And the third announcement I want to lift up, if you are interested um, in exploring the Holy Land and walking in the footsteps of Jesus and getting on a boat in Galilee and heading out into the water and seeing where Jesus um, walked and, and was born and is part of his ministry, looking to January of 2024, our congregation is taking a group uh, to the Holy Land for, for about a 10-day trip. And if you're curious about that, you can contact me. My email is up there. I also will hand out um, a packet of information for you to learn more about what, what's the itinerary, what does all that look like. Well, there are a whole host of things, as I mentioned, of ways to get connected at our congregation. So go ahead and check, n- check those things out in your bulletin. Visit us online. And uh, so glad that you are here to worship today. Won't you please stand as you feel comfortable. Let's praise God together.
Good morning. Please join me in the opening prayer. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, together we bring our prayers to you. Unworthy though we are, we ask you to remember us and welcome us into your kingdom. Show us your love and help us to find opportunities to spread that love to others. Make us a new creation, walking in step with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
The scripture reading this morning is from Luke 23, 42 to 43. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tom, for reading the message, the gospel lesson for us this morning. Amen. Church, will you join me in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Oh, holy and loving God, oh, you are worthy of praise, and so we gather this morning to praise your name. To gather in Christian community, we who are weary, Lord, we come into the doors of this church this morning we who are weary seeking your guidance and your wisdom. We who are weary seeking your forgiveness and grace. We come this morning to worship and praise you, to hear songs that uplift us, to hear a scripture message that we might lean into and hear your word through scripture, and to then, for Lord, to receive the sacrament of communion to be filled and nourished and then sent forth into the world in Jesus' name to serve. So we come, Lord, seeking to be filled with your love and your grace, that in turn we might share that grace and goodness with the world. A loving Father, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts, may it be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer, you who are the one who forgives us always. May you speak to me and through me. Amen. Well, here we are in week two of Lent, and I'm guessing that the Ash Wednesday service, it was, it was you know, wasn't attended as quite as well as, as normal because we had to move our worship service online. Yet again, we had a snowstorm. What is up with this Michigan weather? My goodness. I keep telling myself that spring is around the way because Pastor John tells me, oh, in a month, right, it's opening day, it's going to be here, it's good news is coming, all right, all right, here we go. Anybody have opening game day tickets? Will we see anybody down there? Maybe tailgating. So comes Ash Wednesday and we moved our worship service online because, you know, power outages and snow and all those great things. And so we came to an Ash Wednesday service and maybe a few of you had an opportunity if you had power to sign in and worship with us on Ash Wednesday. But if you didn't, I want to start out with saying a few things that I said from that Ash Wednesday sermon that night. I had a bit of a confession as I started into my sermon. My good of the confession was not that I'd done something terribly wrong, but more of a confession that I was incredibly lazy, maybe, because I, just before Ash Wednesday, I had finally gotten our Christmas decorations put away at the parsonage. Oh, my gosh. It's like February, right? And, and uh, Easter is on its way, and we've already, Valentine's Day has passed, and, you know, I'm finally putting away, like, the Christmas tree and the Advent wreath and the holly berries and the stockings, the stockings, and the countdown to Christmas calendar. My daughter would start it over and, and think that Christmas is on its way. No, we still have, like, 300 days. So my confession was that I finally got the Christmas stuff put away, and now it was Ash Wednesday, and it's a chore that I drag my feet on. I said this in the message, I drag my feet on it, and of course it's way more fun to put out the stockings and put them away, right? It's exciting to wait for Santa to come, and putting it away is a chore. And then I had this epiphany I mentioned, that my epiphany was 
that it's not just that, but my epiphany was that when I put away the Advent wreath and the tree and the, the, the countdown Christmas calendar and the holly berries and the greenery, that all of a sudden the parsonage was empty and it felt bare. And those constant reminders of the, 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 the Prince of Peace were no longer visually there anymore. And it was kind of blah. And I had this realization that when the Advent candles of peace, hope, and joy, and love are put away, I miss it. I miss seeing those visual reminders as we wait for the long-awaited Prince of Peace, the newborn babe wrapped in swaddling claws, and it's a joyous season. But I put it away so we could get to our next season, the Lenten season. The season where, as I mentioned in my message, that we, we trade out the tinsel and the sparkle from, from Advent and Christmas, and we trade it. I don't know what this trade is all about, but we trade tinsel and sparkle for ashes. And so we start Ash Wednesday by marking our heads with the sign of the cross, and we place it, we mix it with oil, and we, make, we burn Palm Sunday leaves from, 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 from last year, or if you're a lazy pastor, you can go on Amazon and like purchase ashes. I did that. And so you can do that and mix it with oil. Somebody else burned it and dealt with the mess. And you mark it on the side of the cross on your head, and you say, from dust you were created, and to dust you shall return. And we start our Lenten journey in that way, and it becomes the season of really looking inward and reflecting and thinking about what does it mean from dust we were created and to dust we shall return. And it's a season where we contemplate and we think about how can we grow closer to Christ this season. And it's a time when we think about our own relationship with God and we think about where are the times or the spaces or the places in my own life where I fall off the path, where I don't do what God would have intended for me. We call that sin, right? Missing the mark, falling off the path. And we think about that, whether how have we intentionally or unintentionally in thought, word, or deed messed up, right? How can we come to know God, love God, and serve God more fully? And so we start that, that Lenten season, that 40-day season from Ash Wednesday to celebration of the resurrection. And I like to skip from, like, Advent season, and then I like to skip to the resurrection and just keep celebrating that good news, but it's this time of reflection and repentance and growing in faith. And so we've started this Advent season, or this Lenten season, what's holiday season am I in? We start this Lenten season, and as a congregation, we're reading this book. If you haven't grabbed a copy, they're, in the, there's, they're on a high-top table in the community room there. You can grab a, grab a book and... Um, and we're reading through together the seven words. It's a book by Susan Robb. We're looking at the seven last words of Jesus that he said as he breathed his last breaths and as he, as he, as he died upon the cross. And so Pastor John last week, he started our, he started our service out together, our, our worship um, Lenten services out together, and he was preaching on the first word of Jesus when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. So Jesus, in the last, in like the six hours or so that he's on the cross, he's standing there with his arms wide open, his hands are nailed, his feet are secured. He's wearing this crown of thorns, this cross. The Protestants often have an empty cross, but you can imagine if you've maybe been into a Catholic church or just looking at the cover of the book, right? You can imagine Christ on the cross. 
And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. If you missed Pastor John's message last week, hop on Facebook or the audio version of it and listen. It's a great message. You don't want to miss it. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And as we think about the them in, that st- in, in those words, as Jesus is literally having to like raise himself up uh, uh, to be able to utter a little bit of a phrase, because when you're experiencing death by crucifixion, it is very, very hard to breathe. You kind of die through like suffocation. Your, your, your lungs are filling with fluid. And so he's raising himself up as he's trying to communicate some of these last words. Father, forgive them. And we think about who is the them in the story. Is the them the, 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 the soldiers that placed him there? Is the them the crowds that kept cheering to crucify him and release Barabbas but to crucify him? Is the, the them the Caiaphas, the high priest? Is the them the, 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 the you know, King Herod? Who is them? as he's up there on the cross. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus is forgiving all of them as he's standing there, forgiving the crowd, forgiving that are are cheering for his his, his passing, forgiving the soldiers, forgiving King Herod, Herod, forgiving Caiaphas, and forgiving us, right? We're a part of them. It's also forgiveness for us. And so you can imagine, as Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Oh, Lord, forgive us when we screw up, when we sin, and the things that we intentionally do or unintentionally do, we're part of them. Time passes, and then the next words of Scripture that we read is, takes, us to the, takes us to the Gospel of Luke, and, and Tom read the short section of it. I want to read a little bit more of it, just a few more verses. I'm going to back up to Luke's gospel. Chapter 23, verse 32 through 43. Let's hear the rest of what Jesus says and a little bit more of the context from which Tom read. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, with Jesus, right, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they were crucified, they, where they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up the clothes by casting lots, and the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and, and, and they said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Well, the soldiers also came up, and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him, and it read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults against him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us, he said. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. As we think about the image of 
Jesus being on the cross, quite often we, we sometimes forget, at, at maybe at first recall, we forget that there were two others there with him, right? Like, we have the image of, of one cross in the, in the sanctuary, or, or maybe as we're thinking about the meditating on the, the, the holy, the, the, the Lenten season and then the Holy Week experience and on his crucifixion, we forget that it wasn't just Jesus that was there, but there was somebody else on his left and on his right. As Pastor John preached last week, um, death by crucifixion on a cross was a very typical form of capital punishment, a very typical way in which criminals' lives were ended in the Roman Empire in that way. So it's not just a unique theological experience to Jesus. That was very, very typical. And so Jesus is there with his nails, hands nailed, and two others are on his side, and a conversation takes place. And, and we see this experience where one is hurling insults, and the other almost has this moment of profession of faith. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and today you'll be with me in paradise, is his response. It's a moment of grace. It's a moment of remembering that even the most shameful thing that we've ever done, we've, we're forgiven by God. It's a moment of remembering that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. No labels that people slap upon us, no labels that we put our, on our own selves, that because of God's grace, even though even the person that was taking his last breaths as he was experiencing death by crucifixion, labeled as a criminal for whatever crime he had done, was forgiven and loved in Jesus' name. The worst of things is never the last of things. Oh, I pray that we are never remembered by the, the terrible things we've done or, 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 or the stuff that we're ashamed of. But by God's grace, we're forgiven anew each day. In the book, well, let's see here. I'll pause on that. So a couple of weeks ago, actually Ash Wednesday, I, I, I learned of something just really unfortunate my, my parents' home church, the congregation that raised me, unfortunately experienced a, a break into their sanctuary and some vandalism that took place. Oh, man, right? And it's tragic. They ended up discovering that it was a couple of youth who made some really poor choices, and there was damage, damage to the sanctuary, and your heart breaks. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. There are times in life when we, we make decisions that we are not very proud of. I think of these youth that have, you know, will now be stuck with dealing with legal situations and all that kind of stuff. But by God's grace, may they have a church that can surround them and forgive them. By God's grace, there'll be a loving God that will forgive them. And may they not be known and marked by the, the, some poor decisions they made in their teen years, but... May they be forgiven and find restoration and healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Isn't that what the church is all about? Amen. The worst things we've done in life, may they never define us, but through God's grace, may we be forgiven. In this week's chapter, I have a page and a half I want to read. Hang with me. If you haven't read 
And this is new if you've read. It's a good recap for your Bible study this week. In, the sto- in this book, Susan Robb tells the story about the movie Dead Man Walking. Have you seen that? It's a powerful film. I'm going to read a page and a half of what she has to say about this film. The movie Dead Man Walking tells the story of Sister Helen Prejean, a nun who receives a request for a visit from an inmate on death row as his execution draw, date draws near. Now the inmate, Matthew, has taken part in a brutal crime and a double murder. There's no question of his guilt, even though he refuses to acknowledge his crime. Well, after several visits, Sister Helen agrees to become Matthew's spiritual advisor, and gradually she persuades him to take responsibility for what he did. In one of the film's most powerful sentences, scenes, excuse me, he finally confesses the guilt to Sister Helen. And they pray together, and she tells him, you are a son of God. Matthew. Well, Matthew reacts to this good news of the gospel, both a mixture of surprise and tear and joy, and he says, nobody, nobody has ever called me no son of God before. Susan writes, can you imagine the poverty and the dissolution of life in which no one has ever reminded you that you are a child of God, much less treated you as with this basic dignity and fairness that, you, that, that is the birthright of someone made in the image and the likeness of God. Imagine how that might skew your view of life, of your own identity, and of your relationships with other people. Could you not imagine never being told you're a beautiful child of God? And then imagine the life-changing, liberating effect of learning that the good news, that you are God's beloved, we all are, y'all, and that God will never write you off, that the nails that pin Jesus' arms to the cross testify to God's promise, saying, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. If you can imagine all that, then you can begin to grasp the power of Jesus' word from the cross to the lost, to the poor in spirit, to those who feel alone, those who carry crushing burdens of shame and guilt, today your sins are forgiven and your past is forgiven, forgotten. Today you're invited to a, a great feast given by the king himself. Today you can participate in the abundant life of the kingdom that will never end, and all of that and more is contained in those eight words Jesus spoke as he struggled for breath. Today you will be with me in paradise. One more part here I want to read. That is the message that Jesus offered, not just the criminal alongside him, and not just to me and you, but to the whole world. He calls us as disciples to spread that word, not just verbally, but in our actions and and towards others, especially during Lent. We are invited to lean in and to remember the mission, his mission statement. Remember what it is? I came to, to bring good news to the poor and proclaim release to the captives, and then go and do likewise. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Praise God. The worst of things is never the last of the things. Whatever we're afraid of or ashamed of or feel like defines our life is wiped clean and forgiven by God's grace. 
And as I think of those teenagers that made some poor choices at my, ch- at my, my parents' church, they are forgiven and loved too. Things we do may it not define us, but we may we remember that as Jesus hung on the cross, grace was given. May we share that same grace with the world. Amen.
We are truly blessed with the uh, music this morning, uh, both earlier and now, and thank you so much for the wonderful message uh, this morning, Lindsay. Uh, I was concerned that uh, I might be writing a prayer by candlelight and then waking up to an Appalachian service project uh, type shower. If you've ever taken a shower in a parking lot with freezing cold mountain water, uh, you know what I mean. But thanks to the, the amazing work of the, uh, the DTE crews to get that back up. And, uh, you know, I, I'm supposed to... Uh, put the, uh, the prayer quilts into the, the congregational prayer this morning, but I couldn't get my brain wrapped around it. And uh, just uh, uh, how important I, I find and, and how meaningful our, our prayer quilt ministry is uh, to me and why I guess I couldn't, couldn't wrap myself around it. It's, it's so special. And these quilts, these beautiful quilts, don't just show up there magically. They're there's a, a group of people that, that put these together and, and they get brought up here. And when we're, we're doing this in the morning, we're, we're deliberately asking God to bless these quilts, you know, that they'll go out there and we'll tie knots, we'll sign a card, we'll say a prayer for them. And there's something to that moment where we, we focus on these quilts and ask for that blessing. And we ask for God to remember them with, with his healing and his strength. And then when they get the quilts and they wrap themselves in it, they remember that someone took time to pray for them and ask for God's healing and, and prayers for them. And it, it's, a, it's a time for us. We're talking about remembering for us to remember someone other than other than ourselves uh, so um, my apologies for not doing that so, uh, I did get the memo but uh, we have three people three quotes up here one is for Larry West the other is Sarah Dominguez and the other is for Donna Dybert uh, please uh, pray with me now and and if you can Stretch out your, your hands toward the, prayer, toward the prayer quilts as we ask God to bless these quilts. Merciful, loving God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we have three quilts here for these three special people. Some we may know, some we may not. It doesn't matter. Lord, we ask for you to put your healing and your strength and your comfort into those quilts that, that when they wrap themselves up, they feel all of that and they know, they remember that someone has cared enough about them to pray for them today. Lord, in your name we pray, amen. And, and now, if, if you would, please join me in an attitude of prayer. Loving and merciful God, you offered us the opportunity to be part of your family. How can we possibly comprehend the extent of your love for the humans you created? Through your amazing grace, 
you sent your only son as a sacrifice while we were yet sinners. As the crowd mocked Jesus, one man could not imagine being next to the Son of God. As Jesus hung on the cross, another man could see him as going to an eternal kingdom. Lord, remember us as we remember the path to that kingdom offered by his sacrifice. Let us remember you with prayer before meals so we are not like animals coming to the trough. Let us remember to forgive the debts of others so we do as was done for us by your grace. Let us remember to spend time with you each day as we need you in our lives. Let us remember to praise you in our struggles as you make good from all for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Let us build our house on the rock following the teachings of Jesus, not our own truths. Let us remember to write your word on our hearts so that we don't sin against you. Let us now remember our sins and concerns as we humbly present them in silent confession and petition. Let us remember to share the good news of Christ so others recognize the path to his kingdom. Let us remember that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and the only path leading to you. Let us remember that you want our hearts and to love you is to obey your commands. Hear us now as we recite together the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I would invite our communion servers to come and join us at the table. We gather at this table this morning, a table of grace, a table of new beginnings, a table where we can be nourished and sustained, a table where we find forgiveness in Jesus Christ, a place where we can celebrate, and the feast looks sparse at first glance with only bread and Welch's grape juice, but it's so much more than that, right, church? It's a place where we receive 
God's unending love, made visible and known to us. And so all are welcome to gather and receive this morning. We'll be receiving um, Holy Communion in a moment. And so whether you've been United Methodist your entire life, or if this is the very first time coming into the doors of our church, or you're, you were raised in a different tradition, that doesn't matter. In the United Methodist Church, we have an open communion table because we believe it's not my table or your table or a United Methodist table, but it's Christ's table. And so all are welcome here to receive. We come this day to remember. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of, my, of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in rem remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died Christ, Christ is risen, risen. Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. Oh Lord, may you pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we might be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all of the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, all with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forevermore. Amen. In a moment, the ushers are going to dismiss you. We're shaking it up, so you got to pay attention here. We are going to be receiving communion from front to back. Oh, my gosh. Quite often, our visitors sit in the back, and we want to help guide, right? Like the, the, the people that have been here for years and years and years sit in the front. So you're going to help um, our visitors know the flowing process. So we're going to start from front to back. The ushers will dismiss you. Um, Greg and Lisa will be here at this corner, this corner side, and Anne and Shirley are going to be down here by the piano. Deacon Loretta and I will be in the, fr in the center and Deacon Loretta and I will have the gluten-free elements if you need to have gluten-free. Otherwise, the sides will have regular bread. You'll, be re you'll receive a piece of bread. They'll place it into your hand, and then you'll be offered. You can then help yourself to a small cup of the grape juice. I invite you to take, go ahead and eat the elements, and then you can place the cup as you're making your way back. You'll notice two small trash cans as you're making your way back to your seat. You can throw away the small cup there. All are welcome to receive. The feast is ready. Let us pray.
this is uh, the time when we, for me, uh, really give praise to God uh, by offering back to him, as we said in the communion liturgy, our whole lives as a sacrifice uh, to his goal and in praise to the gift that he has given each one of us. If this is your first time worshiping with us today, please feel no obligation. Um, we hope that you, that you received blessings from being here with us. Um, if you are a regular giver, we thank you um, for the support that you have given and will continue to give to the mission and ministries of this church. I would invite the ushers to please come forward. So we have a, a song for you this morning that we're going to sing during the offering. This is a hymn that I found in the new supplement that, that we have, and I just thought it was really beautiful for Lent. So I thought I would sing it. The words will be on screen, or they're supposed to be. And <laughs> um, so if you want to sing along as you get to know the tune, that's great too. <laughs> Thank you. 
Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in Luke 17, 21, you have told us that the kingdom of heaven is near in you and among you. We dedicate these offerings to growing your kingdom in our hearts and in the hearts of others who don't know you yet. In your holy name we pray. Amen. benediction this morning is a couple of sentences from the chapter this week. She says, bring light to those who sit in darkness, bring comfort to those who are imprisoned by fear and grief, bring a healing touch to those who are in pain, and be outlandishly generous, friends, to those for whom love is a stranger. For in showing them the glimpse of God's kingdom in these ways, you extend Jesus' invitation to be with him in paradise. Go forth knowing that you are a beloved, beautiful child of God, forgiven by God's grace. Go forth to share that grace with the world. Amen.
We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You were invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.